Welcome to Copper Courier as the Conduit, your connection to what's happening in Arizona. While schools work on different plans to make learning more accessible to students as the school year gets closer, some of Arizona's educational leaders say that there are structural issues with our schools that have been in place long before the coronavirus came around. To get a better idea of what some of those structural issues are and how we can address them in our communities, today we're going to hear from Chanel Poe. Chanel has been on the Balt School Board for seven years and has served as the Governing Board President since 2019. Good morning, Cameron. I am so excited to be here with the Copper Carrier. Thank you for having me. Of course. Thank you. And, and to get started, we know you're on the Governing School Board now, but you've seen issues with our school system since long before you were in elected office. Um, could you just talk a little bit about your experience as a parent? Absolutely. I was inspired to run for school board because I'm a mother of a black son. And ever since I put my child into Head Start, we have dealt with systemic racism. We have dealt with uh, mistreatment and which equated to my son not being able to get his full education. So I brought that passion and that energy with me to the school board. Um, for me, it was really about being a voice for the overarching community to make sure that uh, there was accountability and that there were uh, individuals who were elected to oversee um, and ensure that there was an equitable playing field when it comes to public education. And are there... Are there issues that you saw as your as your child was growing up that you still see in our school systems? Absolutely. You know what? The, the more I continue to learn, because there's so many layers of school board and understanding the school system and then actually understanding and learning what it is, your power and scope as a governing board member. Uh, trends that I went through as a parent was my son being overly disciplined. I vividly remember um, a time where, you know, he came to Arizona schools and he was in a, in the fourth grade and uh, he was playing uh, football and, you know, he was growing up and wanted to express himself and he liked to get designs in his haircut and that was the thing. And, you know, he got his team name and his haircut. And next thing you know, the principal is calling me, asking me to pick my son up. And I said, well, why am I picking my child up in the middle of school as a single working parent? It was because they equated his haircut and his sense of self-expression to gang activity in the fourth grade, in the fourth grade. Um, throughout the years, there has been issues of, you know, racism, people, you know, referring to my son as the N-word, um, teachers not really fully believing in him and, and you know, really wanting to understand him and build a, a, a understanding relationship. I've seen a lot of uh, implicit bias uh that he dealt with and that I see now within the structure. And again, you know, I really, I really equate that to oversight, um, to leadership in the, in the district uh, with the superintendent uh, combined with the governing board, making sure that the governing board who established the vision and mission of the school district is actually being carried out into the culture of the school system. So there are still very wide disparities. There are a host and countless um, research and reports and done by the National Women's Law Center, also by the American Civil Liberties Union, the ACLU. They even had a particular campaign called Demand to Learn, which was um, something that Baltz were one of the first school districts to adopt the Demand to Learn. Um, but again, it goes to accountability. We would have not began these conversations in a district if I did not use my position as a governing board member 
to ask for demographic data and student discipline. And what have you seen since you, have you gotten that data yet? I have received data and, and, you know, again, it's the accountability measures. So when you are asking that your district or you recommend or give your superintendent a directive, you know, that your school district is going to undergo different trainings. One training I was able to implement was uh, adverse childhood experiences. Essentially, this is um, well known as ACEs and it's childhood trauma, uh, whether you have, um, one parent, you're in a single parent household, whether you have an incarcerated parent, whether you receive abuse, whether you witness violence, whether you're food insecure, um, if you are living below the poverty level, uh, these are all different triggers for uh, educators and for teachers to recognize and understand that students may have outbursts or be acting out due to not having their lights cut off, not having hot water, not having a bed to sleep in, um, and what it is that we can do as a system to help meet the needs of the whole child. And, you know, some districts, and I would say many districts across the country are having these conversations about helping meet the need um, of, of the whole child. But, you know, particularly in bolts, what I realized is that, you know, when I would bring these things up to our governing body and have these discussions and follow-up discussions, um, we are actually going through, well, we recently just went through a transition. So um, we had a 12-year superintendent who was the outgoing superintendent, and we recently hired our new superintendent, um, which is effective, you know, as of now. Um, but it's about the work being done with fidelity and also that you are choosing the right uh, organizations or companies that are going to help conduct that training. We asked for, you know, specific, you know, data in terms of I really wanted to see the grade level of the student infraction. Um, what was their offense? What was their uh, race? And what was their punishment? And even though we have implemented different measures such as restorative justice, which wasn't done as broadly as we would like to see. So we are, as a body, going to revisit that to, again, help mitigate those student discipline infractions. And for people who may not have heard the term, um, could you just explain what restorative justice is? Absolutely. So restorative justice is like restorative practices. It's like, instead of, why did you do that? It's, what made you do that? So it's taking an approach, when I originally went to school, was uh, getting to the root cause of why there was an outburst or why the child acted out or what resources is they need because if they you know inflicted harm we got to understand why how can we get to the root cause to help support that student so it you know it um mitigates punitive discipline measures let's also remember something else that i'm learning about is that you know in terms of what schools are trying to do from some schools from what i hear to curb the statistical data from the student discipline data um, records is to call parents and say, hey, can you pick your child up? Oh, it's okay. You can just pick them up for the rest of the day. So again, these are accountability measures that should most certainly be carried out by the superintendent, but they should also have um, a clear directive from the governing board of meeting the needs of, again, that whole child of the student. What, what would you say would be the number one thing you hope to see change in children's experience in school based on these adjustments? 
racial equity, students reaching their full potential, um, students not being judged. You know, when they come to school, it's educators' job to help them see the best in themselves and to help bring that out. And it comes in many different forms. It's not one-dimensional. Um, student support, again, helping students meet their needs. If they're in the first grade and they seem to be struggling with reading and comprehension, what are we doing to help provide supports around the student, but also around the teacher so that it can actually stick? Now, our goal is to, uh, to develop independent thinkers. And we absolutely can do so once we remove systemic racism, which is layers, it's institutional, it is structural, um, it is in our policies, it is in our practices. So you need a sound governing board and a body aligned with the superintendent that believes in racial equities and want to do, want to deviate away from current trends, again, that are systemic across the country. So it's really getting back to that village mindset and that, you know, um, out the box thinking of how we can really maximize our um, staff in order to, again, not only help meet the needs of our students, but we want our students to be able to thrive. So we have a lot of capable students in the Ball School District that just needs those extra supports and also um, being tested for gifted. One thing that's really important to me is that we want to level out the, the playing field. We want, you know, more students to be recognized for being gifted. And we know that sometimes teachers alone can't catch that. So things that we can do as a system and as a district is do verbal and nonverbal screenings for all students in the first grade. And again, help those students realize their potential, help bring it out of them so that they can be productive members in a thriving society. Chanel, thank you very much for taking the time to talk with me today. For The Conduit, I'm Cameron Stevenson.